Okay, team. So I've heard the complaints about the temperature on the boat. Yes, it is 112 degrees in here. <laughs> but I've already got the top hatches open, so that means it's not it's not going to get any cooler than it is right now. I think it's time for a podcasting power hour. Let's do this. <laughs> oh, fuck, man. Podcasting power. I don't know that I got it in me. Yeah, this sounds awful. God damn. Come on, guys. We got to really get into the game. We didn't just become podcasters to sit around and say no. Watch the next opportunity just slip us by. What did we say when we started this? Rain or shine? Usually raining, and now it's shining. What are we going to do? Just hang up our hats and walk home? This is podcaster excellence, baby. This is Division One football. This is the SEC. Heck, you pledged, didn't you? Now we got to go out there and show our listeners, our freaks, what fucking time it is. We got to give the heat in the heat. Who's with me? Yeah! yeah! Fuck, Colin, man. I don't fucking know, dude. It's hot as fucking shit down here. Hey, guys. We are not gonna miss our shot. No, we're not gonna miss, <laughs> miss our, our shot. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, that was really rousing, Munya, but, I mean, we could also just sort of bumble our way through another climate apocalypse episode. Welcome to Mechanical Freak. We're broadcasting live from the heart of the city in sweltering Seattle, Washington, that city of the future on the bleeding edge of neoliberal dystopia today, where below us in the atrium, crypto suburban regulars give the sun-battered climate refugees a wide berth as though they were a zombie horde. That's right. Welcome to Mechanical Freak. <laughs> Munya, Greg, Brian, and myself, Colin, are here Cassidy is still adventuring in from outside the heat dome, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, Hopefully, yeah. So Cassidy got to Spokane like yesterday. <laughs> oh no, she's in the heat dome. <laughs> Fucking perfect. <time. laughs> well, okay, yeah. So no, none of us are safe, but we are going to power through. As uh, thanks to Munya's rousing speech. Yeah, it's, uh, look, there's been a lot of complaining about the heat, especially from Greg, who's once again <laughs> on the land boat in my house, uh, because inside the boat is probably conservatively 120 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> in, in yeah, my, it's, it's like a solar oven. Yeah, and in my house with both air conditioners running, uh, we were able to keep it a cool 86 today. That so. was the high internally. <laughs> but... Despite all this complaining, uh, look, guys, you're missing the bigger picture, which is my pepper plants. My pepper plants, I thought we we're getting a late start on the growing season because it was a little too cold, a little too late. I thought that the peppers were not going to mature properly. They weren't going to get hot. I was going to lose a whole pepper crop just like last season. <laughs> but this week has turbocharged my pepper plants. And I got to say, uh, the uh, probably f- inevitable fires and horrifying death toll uh, <laughs> worth it. I got I to make, make my own homemade Tabasco sauce. Huzzah to the gardeners and all their salsa this, <laughs> in this great year of our Lord, 2021. Brian it'll Platt, be remembered. proud pepper papa. 
Yeah, don't forget those tomatoes out there. Yeah, oh, tomatoes, like Pacific Northwest. I don't know why people don't grow more tomatoes here. This is a little tip to everybody that's out here listening to the show. Tomatoes fucking grow in Seattle. You should plant them. Yeah. They grow like a fucking weed. That's One true. plant gives you so many tomatoes, and you don't even have to take care of it. That's the funny part. You can take <laughs> care of it and get a lot of tomatoes. Like, you can like double your yield. But even a yield where you just let it be a bush and just don't even give a fuck about it, you'll get 40, 50 tomatoes off each plant. Like it's it's unbelievable. Like the tomato One weird trick, literally. Yeah, exactly. People are sleeping on tomato yields, and I'm saying, do not sleep on tomato okay, yields. Is, the, is this weekend of extra hot weather gonna supercharge the tomatoes as well? Oh yeah, yeah. They like the they like the heat. So this is really good. I'll probably get I can probably get like two or three like pulls off the tomato plant this year because of this shit. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Good for you. Happy to hear that for all of the gardeners out in the audience tonight. Uh, glad to know you're your cacti are doing so well. Uh, uh, but yeah, for the rest of us and I don't know, the world, uh, not, not so hot. <laughs> yeah. So to speak. I don't know if you guys saw, uh, from the, the Seattle times just running, uh, lots of stories about the heat. Of course, uh, this one caught my eye. Uh, Amazon warehouses in Kent remain open despite lack of climate control. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's obviously, like, no warehouses in the Pacific Northwest are going to have, like, actual AC. They've got some, you know, mitigation factors going, but there's a great story um, here in the Times that calls out uh, temperatures at one Kent facility reaching, like, 90-plus degrees, and uh, the supervisors on the floor initiating what they call a power hour where they encourage all uh, employees in the department to work as fast as they can. <laughs> uh, pretty incredible. Like a thing that happens like on a normal day, mm. like power hour should not be a sort of thing you should be able to get away with like on any job because working yeah. as fast as you can is something you should only do for the immediate preservation of your life or someone else. Yeah. And not for, uh, not for a wage. And, uh, it's also exactly how safety is, is ignored. Mm. Right. So like, yeah, not something management should ever be encouraging, but really cool. They're doing it. Uh, when literally the temperature of the workplace is a sweltering, like 92 fucking degrees. Yeah. The only power hour you should accept at your work is like an hour a day that everybody just hits the shitter at once, you know, just does a strong power. But no, like, I mean, people forget because you forget like manufacturing and stuff exists, but like warehouse work. Yeah, there's definitely no, you know, uh, AC or anything like that. Machine shops where I worked for a long time, they're hot as fuck, man. They're, they're, you know, it's 90 degrees inside a machine shop in the middle of winter. In summer, it gets unbearable. We had guys that would like pass out and shit like at work. We had one guy who hilarious, hilariously, we we're all in the lunchroom on break, and he just walked in and started vomiting into the trash can, <laughs> and then just walked back out, like not saying anything, like, didn't say a word coming in or out. We all just like look at each other, like, should we <laughs> tell somebody? <laughs> like, is this, this, do we have to alert somebody? Deaf about ears, this? my friend. Deaf ears. Yeah, I mean, you know. uh, People do work in these awful sweltering conditions. And uh, I think that's largely because uh, there either is no labor laws against it, which would be my bet, or uh, zero enforcement of them. So, yeah. 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 Good times. Good times. 
or at your machine shops uh do the manager's offices have uh, AC? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's where you were wrong, Greg. When you said, we were both wrong. When we said these places don't have AC, uh, the management offices, oh, yes, have AC, uh, miraculously. Uh, this is brought up to them a lot of times in meetings, particularly during the summer, uh, during which they will tell you fun things. They got a manager tell us, well, yeah, of course we have AC. It gets hot in the offices. And it's like, oh, well, fuck. Thanks for clearing that up. <laughs> Well, you know, yeah, the, yeah, they're not sweating, but we are. But yeah, it was it was uh, genuinely bad. There was the the Kim more power hours. There was also some stories about uh, Charles Medetti had, had posted that the park nearby him, the Seattle Public Park nearby him, uh, uh, Seattle Parks had locked up all the bathrooms, so access to water in the park was completely cut off during the weekend when it was uh-huh. 100 plus degrees. Um, you know. They, sh- they closed a bunch of like public pools and shit because they said that the was it the, the sidewalk around the pool or whatever was too hot so they couldn't yeah. be open. Uh, public uh, libraries have been closed too. Like, I mean, air conditioned public libraries. Um, yeah. The shade, like, probably like the only like public place for actual yeah, we, like shade inside. Um, yeah, we could go in and like cool off, but also have access to like running water and stuff. And, and the thing is, right. in South Texas, the city has what they call cooling stations, which are really just like abandoned HEB grocery stores that uh, they just like pump full of cold air and have like water fountains in, and you just like sit on benches and it sucks. It's not like a, you know, it's not the most humane solution to homelessness, which would be just giving people fucking homes. But, you know, it's something that we have certainly never considered in Seattle and have certainly seemingly done the, given the first big test of uh, extreme weather, did the exact opposite, which was uh, close off every avenue the homeless might have to uh, not die in this. Yeah, well, like, you know, on the one hand, I think it's very easy to make the case that the city has, you know, done very little to prepare for this, that has sort of shirked the responsibility to take care of people in the way that it can. But at the same time, this heat, this l- jump in heat it is so extraordinary that it has really gotten to a point where a lot of like basic infrastructure doesn't work. Like we've got concrete roads buckling because they were not poured and designed for this. So just concrete expansion alone has caused them to buckle. We've got asphalt streets melting uh because they're just they weren't meant for this and the pool thing it's like seems obvious like yeah we've got public pools that's going to be a place for neighborhoods to cool down right like but there's a you know what uh i think it was washed out was saying like be careful around pavement at this heat in this sun it can get up to like 170 fucking degrees (laughs) and it's like that's what they're dealing with on the pool decks apparently so they said which is why they closed some of the pools where this was a problem which is apparently the pool decks were so fucking hot that it was literally unsafe Mm. to walk around in bare feet. Right. And, you know, you can imagine all kinds of ways you could mitigate that by design or with some fucking ingenuity in an emergency. I don't know, but you know, if the pavement was really getting up to 170 degrees, fuck 150 degrees. uh, That is a fucking problem. You know, it's like, this is sort of the banal reality of of climate destruction it's going to be this slow sort of breakdown of basic infrastructure in heat waves that uh that it 
renders some things useless, permanently damage some things, and you're just not going to be able to keep up with like, you know, if this is summer after summer. There there were stories that I didn't see corroborated that there were some power outages as oh, well yeah. as oh, the yeah. result of this heat. Like Issaquah, I think, was one of the Those areas the affected. Didn't Shor- did, did, it happen in Shoreline? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there was power outage Shoreline. Not, not far not from where block. we are right now. It didn't happen yeah. here, though. Yeah, so therefore, I actually am not concerned about power outages. Yes, my power remained intact. Yeah, yeah. your power is online. I'm sure that that's why there was virtually no response from any electeds because all of their places and their friends were still up. So, yeah, I mean, you know, out of sight, out of mind, you know? Yeah, it's, it's the classic response. I mean, it's it's at the root of like uh, giving up on COVID. It's at the root of like so many things is that once the wealthy realize that they're okay, it's like, oh, well, fuck it. Who gives a shit? Yeah, who cares? <laughs> you know? And uh, yeah, the power edge thing is real just because nobody, there was somebody opposed I you know, I don't know if these numbers are true. It sounds right to me, though, that only 30% of renters in Seattle had AC. But the thing is, as more of this keeps happening, more people are going to be buying AC units. They're going to be pulling more watt, you know, power off the wattage off the grid. And it's uh-huh. like, it's not like we're improving our power infrastructure. No, that's so, not happening, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. So it's just going to be, you know, outages. You yeah, know, by next like, year. That percentage is going to go from, you know, 30 or 40 to 45 or something. Right. And like, yeah, no, there's not going to have been any even one fucking watt of expansion of the power grid and that never will be. Yeah, (laughs) that's not fucking happening. They haven't fucking like uh, no one's building new fucking power grids. Have we considered breaking up the public utilities into its constituent pieces privatizing all of them except the power lines themselves <laughs> and then allowing them all to bill each other in the state whatever rates they fucking want uh in order to let the market spur i like increased power solutions yeah i've heard it's yeah, the about problem is is that the we our utilities are too consolidated they're too monopolized we need to yeah yeah competition yeah. and yeah. open up the market <laughs> yeah exactly preach on it munya <laughs> yeah, that's that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, fucking disgusting. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, there's not going to be any new. I mean, what? Yeah, what's going to even like if you know a more amenable mayor and city council like wanted to do something, say on a city level, like sorry, there's no, there's still no like power infrastructure being upgraded that's not yeah. how that works well the city can't fix the power infrastructure realistically yeah i no, mean they don't have the yeah. fucking money they're yeah. not ever going to that's not yeah. how that's not how it was built mm. uh, it's not how it's going to be fixed or upgraded or, or replaced uh you know i mean there's this infrastructure deal coming down the pike maybe from the feds who knows uh what that's going to mean i hey that is that is the pathway to upgrading america's power infrastructure with a green power grid or whatever the fuck that means it's it's from the feds but yeah no there's nothing we can do on this level but at the same time i think it's clear like the city uh didn't really even try yeah uh knowing well in advance that this was gonna be a disaster apparently did nothing to alleviate the disaster for lots of people in the city or you know not just the 12,000 homeless residents in the city but you know lots of people in the city are in perilous 
conditions and we're living in houses that were like 90 plus degrees a weekend. Yeah, there are places that get this hot and there are pools. You could have figured out even a fucking like jury rig solution. Fucking get sprinklers and keep them hosing the fucking uh, uh, mm. pavement down. Fucking buy a bunch of fucking towels and lay them all out on the shit and really enforce the no running policy. You know, like you could have recognized an emergency and like had a fucking imagination, but yeah. it's what we talk about all the time. There's no fuck. There's no uh, room for any fucking imagination, even in the face of catastrophe with the current power structure. Mm-hmm. But they were offering 10% off chilled gazpacho at Pacific place. Holy shit. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, oh, yeah. Hold on. What, what, what was that so called? Yeah, Colin Post uh, showed this to us. Explain this to anybody who might have missed it. Yeah, so this was making the rounds for sure in Seattle Twitter. The first time I saw it, Brett Hamill had dunked on it, but it was the Seattle Parks official account tweeted. The fucking government. Yeah. (laughs) Seattle Parks. (laughs) Exactly. And this was Sunday, so this was yesterday, and it said, we'll have record-setting heat in Seattle this weekend, and air conditioning will be in high demand Consider heading downtown to beat the heat at Pacific Place. And, <laughs> and if you're interested, they're offering these deals for all shoppers through the weekend. <laughs> and then it's got this picture of Seattle from like Alki or something with all the coupons. So like at AT&T, you could buy two accessories, get one free. Fuck um, yeah. At Aveda, you could get a free liter of hand and body wash when you spend $125. Oh man. Just, that's, that's the value. That's worth yeah. it. Yeah. Someone, Just, some listeners, if you're listening to this, please go down the Pacific place <laughs> and uh, ship me that deal. I'll know yeah. you. Nine? <laughs> they might be. Yeah. They might be in that theater. I don't know. Yeah, so it, it's all deals at Pacific place, which is a great place to go for you and your family. So everybody. Yeah. No, no, but you're totally right. Cause that was my first response to this too. It's like, when the fuck did all the city accounts just become uh, advertising Chills. space? Because yeah. <laughs> if you remember when the uh, what they call it the the period of maximum constraint or whatever when they were yeah, shutting down I five yeah. yep. that uh, that the the city transit fucking the transit authority basically posted a like hey uh, tired of waiting for the bus why don't you call Lyft and like <laughs> had like a Lyft link. <laughs> Do you remember that shit? And I was just like yeah, how yeah. disgusting is like. You know, when the, when City Hall was bought off, you used to just like pretend like you weren't bought off. You know, you'd laugh and you'd wink, but you you would you would just come out and say it. It'd be like, bad you, form you to come out and say it. Yeah, well, you wouldn't be bought off uh, like for like advertisement way. in the consumer economy. You'd be yeah. you bought off by real estate <laughs> interests and industry <laughs> backroom fucking deals that. That don't that only like affect people in like not to just fucking like a billboard. So what is this backroom deal? Did did Pacific Place basically promise the parks department like free orange Juliuses for a month that they would post this? Like <laughs> it's just what's the synergy. backroom deal? It's syner- no, it's in the brains of these fucking people. It's just basic yeah, synergy. It's, it's hardwired like, in. We worked it out with Pacific Place that they could be a climate refuge, right? And they're participating. In the this is a program, so naturally we're going. This is an event we're putting on together. This is a public-private partnership, <laughs> so naturally everything goes on the media wall you stand in front of for the photo, right? Like 
that's what this is. This is just the media wall. It's the city seal, Pacific place, and all the coupons, you know? Yeah, yeah. Remember, like, at the start of COVID, too, when, like, um, Jay Inslee was like, Oh yeah, you know. So uh, we uh, uh, we wanted to figure out what we would do about COVID. So um, we uh, went to Microsoft and went to <laughs> Microsoft's president <laughs> to see what what their plan was. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> we went to the local software mogul to see what yeah. he would do in this, yeah, uh, you know, public health crisis. Uh, well, it's not all doom and gloom all the time. You may have been following the mayoral race in Buffalo where India Walton, a socialist won the primary 52 45 against the four term incumbent Byron Brown. Um, and there was a pretty powerful clip, uh, where she kind of articulates what her movement means. All that we are doing in this moment is claiming what is rightfully ours. We are the workers. We are the workers. We do the work. And we deserve a government that works with and for us. We are the workers. We do the fucking work. I mean, that's a campaign that just won a Democratic primary. In, in a race a, where no Republican is running. <laughs> yeah. In, in a midsize, what used to be an important American city. <laughs> you know? uh, uh, it's actually where my dad's from. Uh, yeah. I look, Greg, uh, we all miss Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas. You know, we, we miss those old Buffalo Bills, too. We all miss uh, Kodak. Yeah. Yeah. If only yeah, they I, would, could win one Super Bowl, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The old man dropped four times in a row. Like that must have just fucked up a whole generation of people. <laughs> I mean, my dad is uh, an insane boomer, so you yep. know he he never misses go. a Bills game. Never has. Yeah, yeah just look it, at oh, Vincent Gallo. Yeah. Yeah, I think my grandpa died in his season seats. You know, his season pass yeah. seats. Wow, they, they are uh, diehards there. But the uh, yeah, and I mean to give a little context, this Byron Brown character is the incumbent actually in this primary. Uh, has been mayor of Buffalo since those four Super yeah. Bowl losses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that is crazy. Yeah, 16 fucking years. Yeah. 16 years he's been mayor of this fucking town. Yeah. Unbelievable. Right. So this is like clearly a place where it's not largely contested. This is a guy who was uh, the was like a state senator and then head of the New York State Democratic Party for a few years parlayed that into uh, running for mayor in his hometown where he's just been in like sort of what you imagine is what's left of a sort of old timey style uh, democratic political machine, but just watered down and lazy because no one really gives a shit. Yep. And so you have this, uh, you know, uh, pretty cool candidate running, you know, with DSA endorsement, organizing as a socialist, a nurse, uh, you know, never held elective office, and they uh, they fucking upset the the lazy fucking Democrats who didn't who basically didn't uh, campaign. The this guy Byron Brown uh, didn't campaign, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, wouldn't debate India Walton, and so now you have uh, what a lot of people on 
election night, a lot of the media was saying, well, I guess India Walton's going to be the next mayor of Buffalo because this is a Democratic primary in a state, in a city where no Republican was even going to run because there's no fucking like point because the Democrats always win. It's like a and, and and within the Democratic Party, this guy had had it locked up, so they just haven't had a really competitive thing for a while. Um, but, you know, uh, the other thing a lot of people pointed out was that this was a fucking low turnout deal. Uh, you can imagine India Walton not getting a lot of press. Uh, if the strategy from the Democratic Party and the incumbent was to basically don't campaign, don't debate, ignore this shit, ignore this primary, coast through it, you can bet that the papers in town were playing along with that, right? And not really uh, treating this like a real event. It's the Alex Peterson move. Yeah, exactly. I was about to say, yeah. Uh, Sounds familiar. And unfortunately for uh, Byron Brown, uh, and good for, uh, I don't know, everyone else on Earth, uh, the that kind of backfired, I guess. But what people pointed out was it's a pretty fucking low turnout. Uh, you know, this is an off year, off cycle primary here. So mm-hmm. like it was a pretty low turnout and they were able to India Walton and her uh, community around her were able to organize and get out there and eke out 52%. So really cool stuff. Love to hear it. I mean that, you know, the, that speech that the speech that clip, comes from is really great she's made some other good media appearances and said some cool things like this is obviously like a you know well greg a good organizer before you get too excited here uh-huh a funny thing happened on <laughs> india walton's trip to the mayor's office go on she, she forgot about a little thing called real estate <laughs> <laughs> And so a new development has happened. And uh, maybe, Colin, maybe you could clue us in on uh, what might be standing in the way of a great victory for the DSA in uh, the uh, parking lot sex city of Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, as we know, Democrats love rules. And so what Byron Brown has decided to do is become a write-in campaign for mayor. Hell yeah. Woo! That rules. The underdog. The sore loser. He's going to be the underdog now. (laughs) Yeah, sore loser is right. So there's there have been a few pieces about this, and we're going to read from one of them. And the headline is, Byron Brown launches write-in campaign for mayor as others eye the race. This is from today, Monday, um, the hottest L day. And it's by (laughs) Robert J. McCarthy. A new and fiery Byron W. Brown sought to revive his failed mayoral campaign Monday with a whole new persona. Okay. Uh, a new and... F- <laughs> what's new? Okay. A, a new, new and fiery... He, there's no, it's not a new person. Okay, you can say he's a new persona, but, like, this needed some fucking editing because, like... They're really trying hard here to go like, whoops, guys, uh, we yeah. forgot to tell you all there was a primary. Actually, this, <laughs> you like this guy. <laughs> Sorry, our bad. You like him. He's and, and if you don't, well, he's he's all new, new and improved. He's on fire. Reformed. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we stand a glow up king. Yeah. <laughs> 
gone was the aloof incumbent, seemingly self-assured of an unprecedented fifth term leading Buffalo. I mean, that's a fucking problem already, right? Like five terms. Fuck off. Like they should. The Democratic Party should have. I mean, they're weak, right? Like in certain ways, like they should have gotten rid of this guy and said, yeah. like, OK, you've had your time. We need to build some other people here. We need to have someone ready and we need you to step down and go away after, I don't know, three fucking terms. <laughs> but as we can see, like there's a story about complacency on, on these people's yeah. part. What, I mean, and, like a, rob- a robust party would be operating, uh, you know, tactically and aggressively and would be operating like an actual political party. But the mm-hmm. Democrats just don't operate in that fashion. Like party yeah. politics is just not something that <laughs> Dems do. And you yeah. get like a five term like like King, you know, instead of a robust party that goes beyond the individual. Yeah. And as you know, we'll, we'll find out as we talk more about this guy, but like, uh, he was just there cause he kept the real estate money flowing. And the thing is, is that like particularly local elections, it is just a decadent money-making machine. There's no competition. There's no nothing. And it's these weak links where groups like the DSA and others have a shot, right. To, yeah. to break, yep. you know, break in. So, uh, again, we just read that it was going to be an unprecedented fifth term leading Buffalo. Instead, Brown launched a do-over candidacy. <laughs> Hell pa- yeah. Passionately That's announcing. So cool. Taking a fucking mulligan. <laughs> yeah, mulligan. Just exactly. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> announcing in the, the Statler Terrace Room a write-in campaign for the November 2nd general election to reclaim the office he preliminarily lost to newcomer India B. Walton on June 22nd. I say, not yet, he said with about two dozen cheering supporters gathered behind him. Two dozen. This guy has probably handed out, he's probably handed more briefcases of money and taken more briefcases of money than anybody in Buffalo, and he could only muster 24 people. This is the level of charisma we're talking about. Well, I mean, like, you know, if you're trying to get your base fired up, uh, probably the worst time to do it is immediately after losing. Like, yeah. you're never <laughs> going to look like losing. Much, much, <laughs> yeah. a bigger chump than you do right then. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't remember if this one has the quotes, but one of the articles I was reading, he claimed that people were telling him that he had to keep running. <laughs> I'm sure someone is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so because no- November 2nd is election day and we are going on to the general election as a candidate for mayor, write down Byron Brown. Well, they got their messaging. That's what it's going to say on the signs. <laughs> yeah, and I think I, I don't think that it, it mentions that in this article, but I saw it elsewhere that initially he was going to run. He had mulled over running as an independent well, that candidate. That would be the move, right? Yeah. You would think. But, but but apparently it's too late for that. He can't get the paperwork <laughs> in, so he's got to do this ludicrous writing campaign. So writing campaign. That's pretty yeah. funny. That yeah, the thing to do. In fact, it probably is for that purpose. That's probably why it is in the law, right? In mm-hmm. in New York State or in yeah, Buffalo, yeah. whatever yeah, it so is. It's like you have to get, get in before in. the primary. On you have to get on the November ballot before the primary, so that you can't like lose a primary and do some stupid run like this. Uh, but that doesn't, I mean, I would, 
again, you did read that somewhere. I wouldn't count. There's a long time between now and then for like, you know, legal challenges and appeals and who knows what the fuck to get on that ballot. If the Democratic Party in New York State wants to like get behind that effort, doesn't mean they succeed. But like, you know, that I wouldn't completely rule out the possibility yet of him like actually miraculously getting on the ballot. But on the other hand, the fact that he's announcing what has got an embarrassing write-in campaign mm-hmm. probably means that is how it's going to go down. That he's like, at least concerned about the ability to do. This, yeah, so. and, and and presumably they'd be just if they thought there was a chance they would be saying we're going to get on that ballot. Uh, yeah. Don't believe the rumors, you know. Yeah, Wait. yeah. And he's got some big backers, which we'll hear about. <laughs> Even though he continued not mentioning Walton's name the mayor took a new approach to the former nurse and community organizer who shocked the city and state's political establishment with her decisive primary victory. Instead of ignoring her, as he did throughout the primary, Brown on Monday continually applied labels of radical socialist, inexperienced, and incapable of leading New York's second largest city. He apologized. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that, I mean, so the, the radical socialist one, I mean, this is the thing, right? is the idea of going and working within the Democratic Party overlooks the fact that the Democratic Party hates the left as much or more than Republicans do, right? Yeah. And uh, that their instinct always, when faced with a challenge from the left, will be to essentially go the, uh, the like, anti-communist route, right? You know, which is, that's just the liberal instinct period. I mean, that's why they all immediately lined up with Hitler in 32, <laughs> and why they, like, lined up with the Italian fascists and things like they that. They love I mean, it. They love it. Well, exactly. okay, so that, I mean, that brings you us know. to the sort of math of this, of, like, well, what does this mean? A lot of people, the, the media was all saying, well, I guess you're the presumptive mayor here because there's no one mm-hmm. this is basically uncontested because <laughs> we live in a healthy democracy now this is coming <laughs> out right uh obviously a lot of you know your people who get excited about you know electoral victories on the left dsa people mm-hmm. getting excited about this it is an inspiring thing to see someone uh like india walton pull this off so the question is like what does it mean and it's funny. I mean, if he was able to do a like an independent run and was able to then get backing from maybe the Democratic Party, like you can imagine the state party going like, well, we're actually behind this mm-hmm. person. If he brings in any other backing like that we're going to hear about, then maybe like that would be something. But at the end of the day, like. India Walton's still going to have the that d next to her name on the uh ballot like so mm-hmm. this is probably hard for them to pull off but serious especially with a fucking write-in campaign write-in mm-hmm. campaigns are almost impossible to win. yeah i mean it's it no, i can't impossible. believe that they actually went through with it i mean that's yeah. literally just like that's ego that's, there's no strategy involved in that that's not well, serious it, to it, me it, yeah, it's literally the joke in Brewster's Millions when he needs to yep. just unload like five million dollars. He's like, "Fuck it, we'll just do a writing, a joke writing campaign." None of the for above. Mayor. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because of course you nobody would ever win a writing campaign. You know? Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, now that's why I almost I I'm just like I'm a little hesitant. I'm like, is this part of some? Is this a dumb strategy for like treading water until they actually do get on the ballot? Uh, cause that they're going to challenge in court or something. I don't know. But it, the other thing that can happen is this could 
I guess it's too late to get seems if it's too late to actually get anyone on the ballot, then that means like you're not going to have some Republican jumping in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but unless the rule is specifically if you were in the primary, this is no, stuff no. you don't know. No, the, the, so several Republicans in Buffalo now are basically saying they're going to enter in as writing candidates. As write-ins. Yeah. Okay. Basically, what the write-in vote. Yeah, one of which was basically complaining that his party didn't like didn't bother to even do a primary, so now they got to do this embarrassing shit. That uh, is embarrassing. If, if they do that, again, that only helps India Walton. Like if there sure. if there's multiple people running stupid write-in campaigns, but again, like you can't, you're not going to pull down many votes with this shit. I mean, I think this kind of happened when Sawant got elected too, which is they just were able to catch the city completely flat-footed because a the Democrats in this, in Buffalo just you know they were sniffing their own farts for so long they just they believed their own bullshit and same thing that happened with Joe Crowley too for being real. Like yeah. in AOC's campaign. Yeah. yeah I mean, like yeah. it was pretty low turnout and Joe Crowley didn't go to any debates. And, you know, that guy before AOC, I mean, he was w- winning in landslides. Like, I mean, like in the Democratic mm-hmm. primary, winning like 70, 80% every single time. And he thought mm-hmm. of the same thing will be. It'll be like another, just like, you know, um, I don't know who the challengers were, but you know, it before AOC, but I bet he thought it was just another one of those. And yeah. AOC ran a real campaign and <laughs> fucking did oh. it. But I yeah, mean, they I mean, were his asleep. Eyes, yeah, his eyes were on like bigger national offices and stuff. I mean, he just was totally asleep at the wheel on this. And the thing is, is that, you know, it, it's the joke from the Hillary campaign where, uh, you know, I think it was like Chuck Schumer or whatever was like, oh, for every like, you know, working class vote we lose, we'll just get another professional in the suburbs. Yeah. And, and Democrats really don't understand demogra- like the demographics of the country or anything like that. They also just don't understand regular people. So, like, in Crowley's case, I, he probably really thought, like, you know what people hate in New York City? Having access to health care. Like, <laughs> so nobody's going to vote for that that woman. Who gives a shit, right? It's probably what this fucking guy thought, which is why he didn't take it seriously. But the thing is, the more this happens, the less opportunities you're going to have like that because yeah. they are going to start yeah. to take this seriously. Well, right. And everyone who saw People like, you know, Democrats who saw the AOC, they're like, well, that's fucking New York City. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the exception. <laughs> Seattle. Yeah, they got Seattle. 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 Buffalo, which they think yeah. of. in the national press, Seattle. I think the New York Times recently said the most liberal, progressive <laughs> city in America. Awesome. Just so my cool. They, 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 yeah. said, they said it was a progressive oasis or something oh like that. We're, we're all wearing the unit citation for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, fuck. Okay. So that's where we're at. That's like what this means in that race. I mean, I guess we're going to hear more about like uh, the politics of this though. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm also really curious too about a DSA candidate getting elected into an executive role because I don't mm-hmm. think that we have seen an executive office DSA member in a long time, at least on the new resurgent DSA um, that came after Bernie in 2016. Um, usually it's been legislation. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, frankly, being an executive office, whether we like it or not, and whether we have some candidates we like for mayor at one point in time, right? Being a mayor, you're 
in situations where you have to do a lot more controversial things just as an executive in general. Yeah. That's how the job is. Um, you can't just like be writing just left legislation all the time. You actually have to um, govern and you're adopting a system that is not that you're not building from scratch too. So I'm really, really curious how um, DSA will handle it. I'm curious how um, the mayor is going to handle this. Um, it's going to be really interesting for an actual socialist to be elected into a high powered elected executive office. Um, yeah, I mean, and is, I'm just curious how that goes. Like, yeah, it is completely different, right? Like yeah. this is going to be a real test. Like, okay, let's say, and I, I think it, there is a, a real good chance that India Walton can do this because clearly they're an organizer. They've got people out there organizing. They're bringing out communities to get this primary. You combine that, which they're going to continue doing on a grander scale for the primary with the fact that they're on the Dem party line on the ballot against nothing, just a fucking blank space, like probably doable. So that this will be a test, right? This will be like, what is what is getting in there uh, and being a mayor look like? And I think the easiest thing to imagine for a lot of people is like what a progressive Democrat looks like when they get in there, whatever the fuck that means. Right. Uh, is, uh, on usually they look like shit, right? Like usually they get in there and they suck ass because they get con like consumed and subsumed by a system. Yeah. By- Cause the people aren't behind them. I mean, yeah, like, frankly, yeah. in my, in my view, yes. if you want to do anything in electoral politics on the left, you need an actual movement behind you. And if you yeah. don't, you're yeah. just going to be subsumed into the system as it well, is. Yeah. Cause is the democratic, yeah, the democratic party holds all the levers and like function. They, they hold all the functionality of the state, right? They hold all the official pieces. So you have to have something in your hand yep. and understand that they're going to turn all those pieces against you. And, you know, speaking of that, when he gave this announcement, this idiot announcement about his writing campaign, he was flanked by three Buffalo City Council members, right? Mm-hmm. Which is basically showing you, I think, what the play would be uh, were, uh, you know, India Walton to get elected is that they're just going to make life hell for, yeah, yeah. for four years, right? Uh, probably launch 15 fucking recall campaigns or, you know, beach campaigns. And we know uh, what you know. a... We know what now we don't know what a a real socialist organizer would do getting in there. We don't know what a Shamaswant would do. I mean, you know, we haven't seen it uh in an yeah. executive office on this level. Yeah. We do know again, we know what a progressive Democrat would do. They would, you know, try to try to like ingratiate themselves to the system, try to like work within it, try to make compromises, mm-hmm. try to end and end up having to sell what what Democrats do in executive office and, and legislatively is end up feeling taking ownership of the status quo and feeling that their job is to sell it on to yep. the people who elected them. And so hopefully we don't know what this is going to look like, but it's a real test. And I think you're exactly right, Munya, that if it's going to be different than that, it's going to be because you, uh, India Walton has built a movement that doesn't stop. That means like staying on the offensive, not thinking of, you know, movement that is just to take this elected office, but keeping it going, using that power, making those, you know, not community labor unions, whatever they're going to do out there, whatever they've been doing, but having some kind of power of the community at your back and then being based in office. I mean, that's (laughs) that's my politics. That's my like Machiavelli 
uh, theory is just be based um, and don't let up. Don't take ownership. Don't feel like you have to take ownership of the fucking shitty system and defend it and sell it to people. Uh, rail against it. You know, mm-hmm. we'll see. You know, from what we have heard from India Walton, I mean, obviously, I wasn't paying any fucking attention to this race till she won. I pay attention to every mayor's race uh-huh, in the country. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, look, she sounds like based as hell. So, I mean, and it sounds like they they have like, you know, an organizing sort of model for this. So that's, I mean, that's, it's an exciting fucking possibility to see someone try it out to do the experiment um, and see what you could do. Because I think, I do think it's possible uh to get in there and use uh it's at least for like conceivably possible to get in there and use the power of an executive and that position to build to do to build a fucking political machine build a base by being based by fucking <laughs> not by going staying on the offense at all times with a movement behind you gr- and growing that movement and doing fucking building a political machine because that's the other thing is the demo, you know, your progressive Democrat, what we know, they'll get in there, take ownership of the system, and then also immediately be on, or any fucking Democrat will be immediately go on the defensive for their next election and, and like feel like they have to triangulate. And this is what everybody in Democratic politics is telling them okay, you're here now, you got here, now you got to work in the system and you got to appeal to all your voters. You got to be the mayor for every. Uh, for even the fucking Republican scum, mm-hmm. you know, and the business community and shit. Well, this is uh, an opportunity to see something different, hopefully. Yeah. He apologized for the failures of his Democratic primary effort that never seemed to shift into campaign mode, adding that the urgings of thousands, that's in quotes, of supporters now spurs him to mount a serious write-in effort <laughs> never before experienced in Buffalo. Oxymoron. There's dozens of us. <laughs> dozens! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I like that his, I got spurred on by thousands of supporters. Like, well, motherfucker, Where they should have they? They gone and voted, I guess. <laughs> like, <laughs> they, they, they didn't send in ballots, and they aren't standing behind you right now. Yeah, yeah. they're not showing up. <laughs> Just off camera, thousands of supporters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I won't let you down, he said. I will never abandon you. And we will Talking keep to moving a brick wall. <laughs> <laughs> and we will keep moving forward together. People are fearful for the future of the city. People are fearful for the future of their families. People are fearful for the future of their children. Yeah. Wow, it sounds like you've been a nothing. really bad mayor, dude. Yeah, if like, people are feeling that way after four terms. Like it, it, it just I don't rocks. Know. His whole pitch is, you know, nice family, nice city. Shame if something would happen. To him. <laughs> like his whole pitch. You know? <laughs> like, Fuck. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, also, could this be read as a sort of like a red scare tactic of I socialism? Think, yeah. is Absolutely, coming? Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is so two groups have come out to back uh, uh, Byron Brown and this write-in thing, like very publicly. Uh, one is like the... <laughs> the real estate interest in, in Buffalo in the form of a single individual. And the other is the Buffalo PBA, the Police Officers Benevolence Association. So, like, the cops have all come out and basically said, we're going to support his writing candidacy. And What do you want to bet? Uh, not many of them live in Buffalo. Yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly, right? <laughs> and I mean, it. so 
I imagine there's he's doing the urban fear mongering that we're getting now in every American sitting in the national media of like, could you imagine if this person took over? Like, I mean, there would be homeless people in the streets and, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. Um, it continues. The mayor started the next portion of his campaign. <laughs> That's a pretty charitable way of putting this with the promise of an all star team. That's in quotes. That will knock on every door also this time. in the city, <laughs> raise, raise enough money to compete and even engage in the debates. He refused engage. during the primary. Fuck yeah, dude. Okay, I love the idea of like an all-star team to knock on every door. Dude, that, what, that's a numbers game, campaign. buddy. That's a, that's a numbers game. You don't, ha- you don't get the all-star team to knock on every door. It is you the mobilize- 93 Buffalo Bills. We're destined to win this time. Yeah. Come on. Statistically speaking, we're going to win. Like we've lost three times and now we're at the Super Bowl again. So. It's a mat. Like, if you're talking about knocking on every door, you're talking about mass politics. Of course, they're not even going to do that. He's full. That's just a thing he's saying, but it's funny to hear. I don't know. There's something funny about that, that formulation where it's like, that's not all you don't, you don't win mass. You don't do mass politics with all-star teams. You do it with just a, a bunch of people. Yeah. It's just spoken like someone who's never ran a campaign before. Yeah. I think he might be missing some campaigning experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's just going to hand out flyers with Christina Ricci's face on them saying, if you ever want to see her alive again, (laughs) still the mayor starts his effort with opposition from his own democratic party is Erie County chairman, Jeremy J. Zellner again, made it clear the organization will back Walton. Mayor Brown is well within his rights to pursue a write-in candidacy, and we are grateful for his many years of service to this community, Zellner said in a Monday statement. But the Democratic Party listens to the will of Democratic voters, and today, India Walton is our candidate for mayor of the city of Buffalo. In her yeah, own- I mean, so that's the official pronouncement. Like, you know, yeah. I'm guessing a lot of the Democratic establishment is going to try and get behind uh, this guy. Yeah, and I think that the moment is, too, is like, is Buffalo important enough for the Democratic Party establishment to actually like tank, you know, to go in and like tank one of their, you know, the presumable Democratic nominee, right? If if they do, if like the state party decides to do that, like on some level, I don't think it has to be because Buffalo is important. It has to be no. because a DSA socialist winning, you know, the mayor's office of a decent sized American city is important. Well, that's and what I, I mean. Like, do they give a shit enough about this? Well, for, right? so but, like, I mean, for the New York state democratic party to do that too. I mean, that just has, I, th- th- that is, I've, I've heard just a, like a vampiric, um, like awful. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. New York state democratic party is like notoriously like evil. Um, but like also that would send um, to tank the, you know, Democrat presumptive Democratic Party nominee, um, who decisively won. I mean, like that 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 would be a huge, you know, move. Especially now that I think New York, you know, New York City DSA has a lot of power and has like you know, um, I bet like has a lot of institutional interest within the New York State Democratic Party. Definitely a lot more than they did a few years ago. You know, like that would um, affect things. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's going to piss people like, off. Like, it wouldn't go unnoticed. Like, it wouldn't be like the Iowa Democratic Party or something, you know, like yeah. shutting something down where it's just like, you know, we're kind of powerless. It's like, you know, Ooh, socialists have kind of a grip in New York. So these people hate know. the fucking left. Okay. Like, they yeah. will do it if, they, I mean, people in the Democratic Party will work to sabotage her. I mean, that's for sure. Look, the fucking Labor Party. Yeah, I was saying, like, that's the example is the Labor Party dealing with fucking, Corbyn. Yeah. The fucking candidate for prime minister of the fucking country their own party leader and let you know and to hand it to the tories so we wouldn't get it okay like that is that's how these people think they i mean on some level you would wish like on some like twisted level you would wish the democrats um would you know have that type of party discipline to actually like you know like shoot themselves in, in <laughs> yeah, their right. toes just to like just to maintain their own power because that's what i mean the you know the blairites really did that um i, yeah, I just it, like I, I don't i don't know if the dems are as organized as well, that to do yeah, something yeah, that I mean, crazy. The party is pretty ruthless yeah and i mean like labor i mean they crippled themselves for a generation they won't win like major elections for a generation doing this shit but the democrats like what the fuck were they doing in the 2020 primary you know like all the fucking around in the primary uh, to basically deny Bernie, you know, the candidacy. I- I'm sorry, you can't tell me that anybody in the Democratic Party realistically believed Joe Biden could win against Donald Trump, right? That's specifically why Obama wouldn't back Joe Biden in 2016. Yeah. Is he thought yeah. he was incompetent and he couldn't fucking and do it. And he begged him not to run in 2020. Yeah. Because he thought he was incompetent. That's why he waited so long to pull the trigger on that. Was he was so convinced that Joe Biden was so fucking stupid and incompetent. They couldn't fucking get it done. And he probably still believed that when he fucking like pulled the entire Democratic Party and had them coalesce yeah. with Biden and force them yeah. through. And the thing was, is nobody in the Democratic Party cared the fact that Biden was probably, you know, could potentially lose this fucking election, right? Because for them, the actual election was making sure Bernie didn't get yep. to the primary. Past yep, that, they didn't right. give a fuck what happened. So they would just okay. blame Bernie if Biden lost. So you then, know? just like they blame Corbyn, by the way, now yeah. that fucking Labor can't win. Of course, yeah. You know, Am- amazingly, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, okay. motherfuckers lost seats still after that. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. Labor's. Labor's not going to win shit for a fucking generation. Like, who the fuck would ever come out for them? At this yeah, why point? would you? Yeah. So what does this mean? And like, what, you know, what, how can we, I think this is most exciting, yeah, for the possibility of, like, uh, learning a lot from the morality of an India Walton. Like, mm, but, like, yeah. in a shorter term, like, what does it mean for, like, you know, see, I mean, first of all, I think Seattle is going to come up in her election. Uh, you're gonna hear that buff buffalonians whoever the fuck they are are gonna are gonna learn uh shit they never wanted to know about shama swan and and the chop yeah uh it's great for our podcast i think that this is a good growth opportunity we should buy (laughs) we should buy some ads in buffalo to to market our podcast there i might have to take the 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 ryan pilgrimage Mm -hmm. to buffalo and rochester (laughs) to upstate you know um check some shit out Visit your ancestral homelands. Yeah, yeah. I'll check, check. Uh, then all I'll have left is Ryan Castle in Ireland. <laughs> wow. But we were kings. Yeah, sure, um, sure. <laughs> As every Irishman was. <laughs> uh, okay, but now, like, but, you know, I mean, do we, what does this, uh, what does this tell us about, like, we, so I don't know if you've, 
uh, noticed listener, but there is a primary election coming up in about one month here in Seattle, Washington for uh, a couple of council seats and the mayor's office. And uh, we haven't really started talking about it. And we're not going to really now because we're going to get into that uh, hopefully starting next week. But um, throwing spitballing out there, like, what do we connect here to our own city? Yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, uh, every city is uh, different. But I think one through line is that uh, in scenarios that do feel like there is gridlock or that we have lost as well. Seattle has quite a bit on the left in electoral races to keep that, you know, I think that to keep that ground game, but also to keep organized more than just like electoral strategy to just have an organized left base and to build a bench um, to ultimately, you know, find a window of opportunity to strike. And that might not come, you know, every single time it might be a slow build and it might mean taking a lot of, losses but i think ultimately all of those kind of coalesce into experience um into leadership um into just education from uh you know being organized and i see those returns compounding into something big right and i think that you know in this election i'm not really excited for that many people for mayor but um you know nikita is running right yeah. mm-hmm. um and I'm already seeing those compounded returns from our past organizing from the past connections, oh, yeah. um, you know, and, you know, I, I, I'm just like really excited for what the, what the future holds for Nikita's campaign. I think that's like a really good um, example of using on the ground organizing and like truly, um, you know, not being like a uh, candidate first, but a people uh, first movement that is you know, grounded by actual organizing roots in community. So um, I think just being in touch with the community first and foremost is really how you went. You can tell um, that people in Buffalo, they were tapped into that community, right? Um, mm-hmm. They already had connections and roots there. It didn't just pop up out of nowhere. So, you know, yeah. it's unsexy work. Um, it's not uh, necessarily fun all the time, but it's, that is how ultimately you gain power and win um, collectively, right? So... Um, yeah. it's cool to see that actually happen on that scale. Yeah, totally. You can tell like, yeah, India Walton may not have held public office before, but it has, you know, I don't remember the details, but from what I've read is, is very like involved in a lot of levels in community comes out of, you know, an organized community. Yep. Like you said, not just coming out of nowhere. Well, and here, yeah. Um, uh, Nikita Oliver, uh, Looking good, looking good for this primary. A lot of work. There's a month of work to be done. This weekend was too hot. I hope they weren't fucking knocking doors. Uh, <laughs> like that's like that's dedication beyond uh, uh, what I'm willing to put in. But uh, last weekend, again, I was out uh, knocking some doors, hanging out with the gang. Um, and yeah, you can see, you know, from day one with that campaign, not just you've got a candidate who, yes, has run for public office before, but has been involved in, you know, re- substantial ways in community and organizing in this town for a lot of a long, long time is like a, a seriously respected figure in an organizer in the community and it, a campaign that is stacked with uh, a lot of uh, organizer and 
and campaign experience uh, from these uh, other campaigns in this town. And I mean, yeah, if that's, I mean, that's, I hope, I hope we able to, we can say in like a month that that's a way to win a primary and, and by the end of the year, another council seat. Yeah. I mean, is Seattle, nobody's catching anybody by surprise again. Right? Yeah. That's and, the, and that, that's, yeah. that's, that's the actual lesson is that, you know, for those who were on the Sean Scott campaign can testify, it's hard to win these things when you're not surprising anybody anymore. And the, the cities, you know, the interests in the city are lining up behind you. And those interests are the same in every city is what we're learning. Um, you know, again, uh, this Byron Brown character, you know, he's getting the police officers union lining up behind him. He's getting this guy, Carl Palladino, who is the real estate, you know, mogul, I guess. Sort of a mixture. He's a major uh, sort of real estate speculator in Buffalo, but also has like Tim, with Tim Iman characteristics and mm. that he's like a fail politician. Um, also was co-chair of Trump's New York uh, campaign. Yeah. When oh, Trump was for president. And he's now so full on MAGA guy who's now backing Byron Brown. And he will be the source of financial support and network <laughs> and stuff for Byron Brown. Right? The Democrats, everybody. Yes, the Democrats, <laughs> everybody. Uh, Paladino, I guess, you know, the the results of this election seem to be announced, I think, like last Thursday or Friday. And Paladino was saying he was going to do a write in. And then all of a sudden said, uh, actually, I'm not going to now that Brown is running <laughs> and, and all this stuff. And is is that's clearly where the money and a lot of interest is coming from, and it's like that's because Democrat Republican the label doesn't fucking matter. What matters? Every city in America is like that. Yeah, every city in America, yeah. the established interest that runs your city, no matter what they call themselves, is real estate and the cops. Like yeah. those are the two. Those are the two groups that are probably behind every mayor that's currently serving in America, right? If you're to go look at who donated money, who campaigned for them, etc., right? And like. That is what we're seeing sort of coalesce in Buffalo. And I, I think it's, uh, it's it should be an eye opening moment for people about the reality of politics. Yeah. Yeah. And Seattle, it's just a harder target. You know, it's a bigger city. There's more money here. It's the it's the fucking seat of some of the biggest corporations in the world. And we've already had the 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 original, the OG uh, surprise socialist uh Mm. organizer come through and get on the council and well, you know well, we now, st still fucking defending that that seat and people have been doing good work on the ground to actually change people's opinions about things as opposed to just winning a single primary whatever to actually change the way people view shit in this city and that has made it harder for the seattle times to shape opinion and harder yeah for Mayor Ginny Durkin to get her way and harder for people in the council to do their usual bullshit around, oh, we'd love to do uh, progressive legislation, but that's a lot. And it's going to be you know, hard. It's made it harder them for them to, to do that shit. Succeed with this bullshit recall. Yeah, uh, it's going to be hard. It's going to make it hard for them to get the signatures, though, ultimately not hard enough, probably. No. And uh, but it's going to be hard for them to uh, put to get rid of Sawant because Sawant is again is based and is you know continually yeah. trying to uh, build a, a movement in that well, district and if if uh, nikita gets elected it'll make it even harder right like it, it's, yeah, oh, it's yeah. gonna get real tough but oh man for, it could it could change the game really you know yeah it's i important. mean look shama swant won citywide the first of three times she was mm -hmm. elected yeah so yeah i mean it's very much in the game and i think for the people of buffalo uh yeah i mean i i think the dems were caught so flat-footed on this 
that India Waltz is probably going to walk into that mayor's office. But the big thing is that DSA and Buffalo and stuff like that, the people that pushed for Walton's campaign, they're going to learn the lesson that next time it's not going to, yeah. it's not happening like this. Next mm, time, everything know? but the kitchen sink is coming. You yeah. just got to be prepared. That's why you just can never, like you said, Greg, like never really, you know, be on the defensive or be complacent. It's like, you got to, you know, Don't be on the it. offensive year round. Yeah. Right. Cause I mean, like, you know, you're, you're you still an insurgent campaign. You yeah. got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. The democratic party, whether you're running on their ticket or not is your fucking enemy. And as particularly yeah. a state like New York with as rotten a fucking democratic party as New York's <laughs> like, uh, they're coming for you. Believe that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. I mean, I, I look forward to November election day, uh, hearing about, uh, India Walton, in you know a surprise move a surprise like uh left hook at the uh mayor's office in buffalo and kind of the opposite like a a, a win uh in a totally opposite way from nikita oliver getting a citywide mm-hmm. council seat in seattle against a hard fucking target mm-hmm. uh second yep. uh you know truly like yeah. uh, council seat to represent the people of this city citywide against a fucking alert and pissed off establishment. And uh, that's going to feel, I'm sure they're pissed off seeing seeing the endorsements rack up on, on Nikita's campaign. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Most notably the MLK uh, Martin Luther King County labor endorsement, Mm -hmm. the sole endorsement for Nikita, despite running against another dem who was more, you know, damage (laughs) and, uh, you know, Nikita's not uh, running as a dem at all in this race. So, I mean, to get the sole endorsement of MLK, um, along yeah, with big. like, you know, every other endorsement so far that I think matters um, is huge. You know, it just shows that, you know, the organizing is there, the in and out strategy mm-hmm. is there. You know, yes, I do work on the campaign too. So, you know, take Finance that for whatever it's worth. Down. Finance is secured. <laughs> door game, um, door game strong. Literally, we have the secured funding for the entire general election just from democracy vouchers. Like when the general election mm-hmm. hits, our funds just open up and we just automatically max out just like that. So mm-hmm. we'll have we don't even have to waste time, you know, or not waste time, but dedicate resources to just fundraising. And we could actually focus on, you know, the election because we already got there from public funding um, from people sending in their democracy vouchers. So that that's just like. I mean, it just seems like everything's clicking and I just can't wait to see what the result is on August yeah. 4th because regardless, it's going to be a huge fight. And I don't care what the, I don't care, um, you know, if the chamber says that they're not weighing in, it's going to happen in other ways. You know, it's not just going to be like, oh, we're just going to have this be a fair fight and we're just not going to do it. Of course, there's going to be just huge forces and influences, especially trying to deny um, a second socialist on city council. That would be a disaster capital mm-hmm. if that happens so um but you know this movement just feels strong man yeah and especially if nikita looks like uh, they're gonna win going into the election i mean seattle times editorial board full meltdown i i'm expecting oh, yeah. but uh to credit india walton one more time hilariously the working families party shifted their endorsement their four-time endorsement of byron brown to india walton during the campaign uh and but she refused to go pick it up from them in person, so they rescinded it. 
<laughs> which is she might go kiss the ring so they, yeah, they got mad that's, yeah, that's, that's so all cool. true story like, she was touting the support <laughs> of working families party yeah they apparently have said they're rescinding it because they feel slighted by the, what a I, fucking I, I, they, they can't now diseased. she's the fucking yeah she's the candidate now so they just, yeah. just got to eat their own fucking hat and fucking say so much credibility endorsed, just you know. fucking vanishing before our yeah. eyes on the working families well, party that's man. funny like, because she, yeah she was very magnanimous about that on yeah yeah I, I don't think she's like tell them to eat shit or anything like it's just funny that they were mad oh it's just embarrassing for them is it for yeah, them yeah. like yeah, I mean, that, like yeah, she's yeah. the one who has the power at this point yeah, like that working families party just floundering at every single moment when it counts especially with socialists yeah. is fucking embarrassing people like familiar with embarrassment yeah yeah and yeah. so like i said i mean now that she won the private they're gonna have to eat their fucking hat on this thing and just endorse her basically but apparently they they were oh you didn't kiss the ring yeah. yeah oh that's yeah. funny awesome all right well uh hopefully that's all good news i mean you know if you can if if you know if uh electoral news is any news at all i don't know i you know we we like to pretend that it means something here on the on local levels you know uh but you know that's a whole other conversation i'm excited i think it's cool i think it's good news i think you're gonna have i think if you want to challenge part of challenging capital's power in this country is going to be presenting like a functioning vision of 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 Mm -hmm. that challenge that people can see and hey a a mayor's office uh is is one place Mm -hmm. to do that so all right yeah, for real. All right. Well, oh, that pretty much wraps it up for this week. But be on the lookout for the final installment of a song of philanthropy and pedophilia. The finally, the key will unlock the gate. <laughs> the magnum <laughs> opus from the freaks, with editorial oversight from our own Brian, proud Papa Pepper Platt. Um, (laughs) so be be on the lookout for that and sign up to the patreon and hear cool stuff like Mm -hmm. when last week when we uplifted our patrons by telling them they were all going to die for i think the second week in a row yeah um yeah if you want to hear that message that's in there there's other messages as well but go check that out and um become a patron today yeah and also, a uh, little uh, sneak peek, uh, jumbo content coming. Oh, mm. oh, oh boy. Mm. Jumbo mm. coming. Jumbo <laughs> has, has landed. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. We'll be on the lookout. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.